This is the Culture of Influence. I'm Shane Howard. And I'm Dr. Brad Shuck. Follow along as we dive into everything culture, from interview to exit. So my name is uh, Brad Shuck. I'm a research faculty at a Research One University. Is it okay? Dr. Shuck. I'm Dr. Shuck. Is it okay to say the university name? Yeah, so I work at the University of Louisville. That's where my primary appointment's at. Um, I own a uh, a data analytics company, a leadership and OB consultancy called Lead Research uh, out of Louisville. We do a lot of work with Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies all over the world, literally uh, have have worked with leaders um, in four of the seven continents across the across the world. It's been an amazing opportunity. I've known Shane for twenty years. Twenty years now, yeah, absolutely, twenty years, and um, have just we've followed each other's journey. Uh, have been good friends all the way through. Yeah, yeah, and he grossly misrepresented who he is and okay. what he's done. I do um, that. I'm gonna, but I'm going to do that a lot. He is. Uh, so what you guys will figure out, Brad and I are exact opposites uh in some ways we're very very alike in some ways but in some ways we're also exact opposites Mm. brad is um uh, i think we're both humble but brad is quietly humble i'm loud and humble um you know sometimes um sometimes my um persona if you will maybe uh my persona comes off as you know something that uh um something that is brash or um, raw and uncut. And I like doing, I'm, I'm that way intentionally. Um, you'll notice we're here in this nice fancy office. If you happen to seeing, seeing yep. the, the visuals of this place, we're uh, in this nice fancy office. Uh, we're not really, um, it is uh, an absolute, I won't call it a dump because we've definitely been in worse, but um, it's not the greatest of places. Um, I'm also sitting out here in a space that I'm not normally in. So I'm seeing how all my, uh, um, my fine team members, uh, are not doing their, uh, routine cleaning jobs. But, you know, as the owner of the business, those things can always, uh, can always be addressed. That's the uh, benefit of, of being the CEO. So, so who are you, Shane? Uh, so I, yeah. So again, ADHD, right? So, um, Shane Howard, um, I am, uh, a, a man on a journey to becoming a CEO. I, you know, I'll, I'll use the reference that I am just mm-hmm. to provide context. But for me, I don't believe just because you own a business and just because you're the owner, or just because you have a title that that's what you are. And the reason that is, is you have to, you have to earn your stripes and you have to, um, you know, you have to get kicked in the teeth. And, you know, for lack of a better analogy, you have to eat the shit. And for me, it's it's about having people to be to be a CEO. You you just have to go through it and, you know, when you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot of people, you know, have the title. You know, it's a fancy thing right now. You know, you go on uh, you go on the interwebs of Instagram and Facebook and, you know, everybody's a business celebrity right now. And for me. Uh, I'm on a journey to becoming one. What am I? What am I doing? What, what does that journey look like? So, uh, currently, I am, you know, uh, the founder and CEO uh, of a company called Custom College Recruiting. Um, got a couple other things coming down the pipeline that I'm sure will make it on this podcast and, um, you know, be a part of this. Some of this will be filmed here, and we've got a new office coming. Uh, some of this might be recorded remotely. Sure. Um, you know, Brad may call in. I may call in from Australia. Uh, some. Nate and I will will go to Brad as well, um, and and go up in uh, into the middle of nowhere uh, where Brad lives. I, I, won't, I won't I won't drop his location <laughs> for all his fans out there. I don't want I don't want all you guys showing up like paparazzi at his house. Um, but but I'm the CEO and founder of Custom College Recruiting. We we work with high school age athletes uh, in 43 different countries around the world. Uh, currently, we're the only athletic recruiting service in the world with partnerships with multinational governments. And, uh, we, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, we help young adults make their dreams become a reality. And we help families at the same time, make their child's dream become a reality. But there's a secondary part of that where we also help these families from a financial standpoint. So, Mm. you know, anytime you have a family of two, three, four kids, and you know, you're looking at, you know, trying to help subsidize some of that, 
secondary or post-secondary income or, or that post-secondary education, the income, you know, has to come from somewhere. So, mm. you know, when, when we hear these stories of a kid getting, you know, 40, 50, $60,000 a year free education to the United States, you know, that, that does wonders for those families. It does wonders for those communities because that money now is staying in those communities, is staying in that household. Um, and that's a, that's a huge thing. So I've um, been doing this now for nine years. Um, wow. Our, our company birthday is coming up. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, nine years. That's uh, coming amazing. Up, coming Good up in you. September. Um, we started in, I, I technically incorporated the business in September 2009. So, so we're right at nine years. We, we actually weren't open for business until January 2010. But um, yeah, um, uh, my story, um, and I'm going to have Brad share a little bit of, of his backstory as well. Again, in comes the um, the the humble, but he, he's a little bit shy. He won't admit it, but he definitely is a little bit shy. Um, and when you're around me, I'm going to absolutely put you on the spot. So my past, what got me here? How did I get here? Um, very, very unconventional. Um, my, I come from humble beginnings. I moved 17 times the first 18 years of my life. I uh, worked at a movie theater my junior and senior year. Uh, very much spent uh, most of my time during those two years of my life staying somewhere else other than home. I've slept in my car, I've slept in the broom closet, I've done different things. And, um, you know, I, I try not to dive into, um, I definitely talk about my past, um, you know, for a couple reasons. And, you know, as time goes on, I'm, I will definitely share more. I'm, I'm more so doing it um, as a as a buffer for some people in my, my life till they get to a certain point in life that I can I can share without repercussion and different things from them and any kind of blowback. So um, I barely graduated high school. Uh, my senior year, I had a .67 GPA. I graduated 154th out of 187. Uh, not that I don't think necessarily I was dumb. I just didn't care. Um, and and that's, part of, that's part of why I love to do what I do now is I, I, I love to do it. So it's natural for me. So don't have a formal education. Brad and I met actually in college. Yep. Um, Western and Kentucky. Yeah. So so I'm going to stop my intro there. I'm going to let Brad share with you kind of how he started out. And then we can kind of share kind of how we, we came to connect and know each other. Because I think it definitely uh, adds some, uh, some, some spice to the, uh, to the story. Well, you know, our, to be honest with you, our backstories aren't that different um, in, in some respects. So uh, with Shane, uh, I come from, uh, I tell people I come from the backside of the tracks. I grew up off the backside of Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky. I was fortunate to go to a really great high school, uh, in Louisville. I play, I was a percussionist, um, and I still play the drums now, but I got, got a chance to go to Manual High School, which is the top high school in the state of Kentucky. Um, and I, I kind of squeaked it's, in there. It's debatable. Well, you can debate it. That's a different podcast. Uh, but I graduated the bottom of my class. Um, I, I failed out of English uh, my sophomore year. I remember taking my report card home. My dad was very disappointed. Um, but I just I didn't see the point. I didn't understand. I didn't really care. I wasn't very engaged uh, in learning at all. And then uh, my dad begged me to go to the military. And uh, I didn't have any discipline. He was right about that. That's for sure. Uh, he I, I, sh- I should have. The military would have been really, really great for me. Um, uh, and even today, I think about uh, what it would have been like if I would have um, enlisted in the service and um, and served our country in that in that way. But I, I decided to go on to go to college and give it one semester to see if I could make it. And uh, got to school. Uh, I was we were at North Hall, uh, Western Kentucky University. North Hall doesn't exist anymore on Western's campus. Um, they've combined it with some other things and redone it, so it looks extremely different. Uh, which is where I met Shane. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of, you know, Brad was there. Brad was a um, RA. I was an RA. That's he was, correct. He was an RA yep. on the first floor. I was on the third floor. Yep. And um, I, I, I did a, I did a, a semester of, of junior college basketball um, over in Eastern Kentucky. Um, Jackson. I didn't know that. Jackson. You played junior college, college basketball. Yeah, that's where I transferred in. See, it shows how much Brad paid attention. Yeah, technically, you can definitely see what I had going on in my life when I met Brad. Absolutely over-indexed on everything that had happened and wow. before me coming there. But did not know. Um, that. Did that. 
and um, uh, yeah, Jackson Community College, uh, actually, actually not in Jackson Community College, in Jackson, Kentucky, Hazard Community College, Lee's College campus, and um, yeah, we, uh, um, yeah, um, I, I won't not say anything good about the place, but if you've ever been to Hazard, Kentucky, um, you can close your eyes and just visualize that it's a little bit... It's a resource depleted area of our state. Um, just that's a very nice way of putting it. Yes, it's resource. Um, and um, speaking of culture, there's definitely a um, for sure. A, yeah, there's a deficit of positive culture for sure. There Absolutely. for sure. Yeah. And uh, so didn't really know what I was gonna do. Christmas time, decided I wasn't gonna continue to go to college and play basketball. School really wasn't my thing. Didn't really have anywhere to live. Knew that I could get this stuff called financial aid and yep. student loans and uh, figured out how to game the system. And um, we uh, enrolled at uh, South Campus, actually, at Westerns, which is their junior college in, in, some, in some respects. And, uh, yeah, I... Um, uh, met Brad. So I had a cousin that was going, living in the same. We got. I don't. I don't know how I ended up in the same dorm. I don't. I don't. I don't that those parts are still a little bit hairy to me. But um, I actually went to class twice. Um, meaning of all the classes that I had, you booked, just went two times. I only went two times. I went to not uh, two. I went, yeah, I went to psychology once. One time. Yes, and um, okay. they used to have a class introduction. To, it was like an intro, like freshman orientation. Yeah. It was freshman orientation class. Went one time. I went one time. How um, was? How were those classes? Um, so good that I never went back. Yeah, you got everything you needed. The teacher was so good, I learned everything I needed. To everything know. you needed. Um, okay. Yeah, they hand, they, uh, I, they they they, uh, they showed me the book that I had to get for psychology. Oh. Um, and I was like, I you know, I'm, I, one, I don't think I'm actually going to carry that thing around, uh, and two. Um, yeah, this. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't read. Again, it goes back to the ADHD. I can't. Like, um, I, I, I literally, if I sit and try to read something for an extended period of time, um, I'm out. Like, it's you know, I have squirrel brain. So, did that. Brad and I met, and how we met is I actually would stay up at night while people um, would uh, would work. So I'd sit up and kind of hang out in the lobby watching TV and getting to know Brad and the other RAs that would work the front desk, and then I would sleep while they were in class. Yep. And then about lunchtime, I'd get up, and we'd go hang out and go eat lunch and do our thing. So so, so I think the incredible part of your story right there is that um, 20 years later, you are helping people navigate a collegiate environment. And at the time... It's, it's not that you you could it's not that we we couldn't have done it um it's not that you couldn't have done it it just it wasn't set up to be successful uh universities and colleges perhaps you know when we got there we didn't have the support programs didn't have the the outreach that they do now and it, you're in such a unique position having been there and done that in so many respects to help athletes navigate that collegiate environment and knowing what you know set them up to be successful in that environment yeah um you know it, it definitely it's weird you know it's um you know funny enough it's I, perfect well yeah i mean it, it, it's, it's random like even i even went through life so you know fast forward i went through got uh, started working in the car business uh learned um most of um a, mo i learned most of what i now know about myself uh, not most, a lot of what I now know about myself um, in those seven, eight years in the car business. Um, was very successful at that. It comes very, very natural to me. Um, talking, engaging with humans, understanding human behavior in, in a very quick form. So um, I think it's because of my ADHD, like I can, I, can, I can process things much quicker than most people. Now the hard part is not only is processing them, but the hard part for me is getting them out. So it's, so it's, it's, it's relaying what I've, what I've processed. So I was able to do that in a one-to-one -one fashion, getting to know families, you know, selling automobiles, you know, helping other salespeople, those kind of things. So um, then, you know, for me, I actually didn't know what I was going to do. The economy tanked in 2008, 2009. And I said, man, 
what am I going to do? What, you know, this thing went in the toilet. I'm working the same amount of hours, making half the money, decided to jump in and actually jump out. I got out of the car business. My, my wife now, and I just started dating and, um, went through divorce, you know, uh, times weren't necessarily the greatest and, uh, didn't have a whole lot. Decided I was going to uh, be a um, uh, an aide in a uh, special education room at a middle school, working with children and kids with multiple severe disabilities. That's sometimes helping kids go to the bathroom. That's helping sure. kids with uh, behavioral outbursts. That's helping kids, you know, do uh, learn the very basics of you know human you know human day to day routine. So a lot of different things, uh, making a lot less money. Mm-hmm. Than what I did, so that's why I say, you know, eating the eating the garbage, if you will. Um, Got to do know, that. I've done, and uh, I actually tried to go back to school one last time. So uh, didn't know I that paid either. all my student loan debt off, got all wow. that done, and decided to go back and said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to be a special ed teacher. I'm going to coach high school basketball. Uh, holy cow! Now I, I I I don't I legit don't know what grades I actually got on the classes. I'm pretty sure that I passed them. Um, definitely not by flying colors and how I did it. I don't know. Um, my majority of if I did is attributed to my now wife, um, who, Hmm. um, is, is responsible for a lot, obviously for me, but, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, man, it's, it's, yeah. So I I did that and then had this idea that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to help kids access opportunities. That's incredible. I mean, though, it's about serving other people, right? And that bleeds, I think, into your culture here at um, CCR. I mean, from the get-go, we've been talking about this for a couple of years now, on and off on the phone, texting back and forth, over email. The prevailing theme throughout all of the leadership that I hear is about serving other people. It's about others. It, 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 is, it is for me. It, it definitely is for me. And, and for me, I want to I want to always be in a position to, to help other people. And I always look at whatever I'm doing is how can I provide value to somebody else, whether it's, um, you know, an employee employer relationship. What can I do for that person? Uh, I mean, I literally have an employee right now that's transitioning out of my company and I'm doing everything I can to, to help that person find another job. Right? So because so. Tell me, like, where'd you learn this? Like, where'd this come about? Um, you know, I, don't, I, I mean, some of it came about is just observing the <laughs> the exact opposite of, um, you know, most places that I worked and most people that I worked. And, um, you know, when you're in, when you're in when you're in a sales environment, and I would I would argue that sales environments are probably some of the trickiest mm. um, to navigate and to to probably maintain from a culture standpoint. Mm-hmm. Because there is there's a higher level of turnover, and there's a higher level of sacrifice sometimes um, when it comes to skill and revenue over morals, ethics, and values. So, hmm. meaning when you're a sales driven business, listen, all businesses are driven by sales. Um, everything you do is in sales. I love I, I love it when people say oh, I'm not a salesperson or everybody sales. When you're dating, listen, Brad completely outkicked his coverage. Let me. He, oh, a hundred percent. He 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 sold her on why she needed to be yep. with him. Yeah. Um, absolutely the case. Uh, me now, my wife. Um, you know, she outkicked her coverage. Uh, is what I like to tell her. You know, she she chased me, and I finally quit. I finally quit running so she could catch me. So. Um, you know, it's an inside joke around our house, but, um, Brad's laughing right now because he thinks when like she hears it. this, I'm going to, I'm going to be in the dog house. No, so, no, no. So I, if our next podcast is from Brad's couch, it's fine. Um, yeah. It's, it's I have okay. space for you. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. So we, um, uh, yeah. So I mean, for me, it's, you know, it's sales is everything. And when sales is everything to most senior people in a business that means revenue is everything that means everything else goes away and that happens a lot that happens that happens when you know that happens you know in in most scenarios and so people say i'll overlook these things that are affecting the rest of my team because in all sales businesses it's the 80 20 rule 80 percent of your productivity comes from 20 percent of your people and Peter Principle. 
what's it called? The Peter Principle. Yeah. So that's what you'll, you'll learn that. So I know the, I know the, I know the practicality of, of these things. Brad knows the science and the, um, academic side of these things. So, um, yeah, so, so people, you know, it's, I don't, I mean, I don't know, you know, I, I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I know why, because money is not that people are greedy. Sometimes you have to stay alive. Right. So everything I do, I want to serve people. And, you know, I don't I don't go I don't do it in a way like I don't want to say some people in society. I think some people overuse the word, um, uh, you know, servanthood or servant leadership. Um, I, I learned I guess I learned that part of it. So there is a maybe one of the greatest basketball coaches of all times, a coach called Don Meyer. And, and if you're not familiar with Don Meyer, he was a longtime head coach at David Lipscomb University. They were an NAI school. They're the only team ever in college basketball history to win 40 games. He's got two, I think the two of all levels of college basketball, all-time scores played there. He used to hold basketball camps, uh, and a lot of these big-time NCAA Division One coaches in the 80s and 90s would actually go there and work the camp to learn from him. And um, he's got a pretty um, tragic ending to his story. He was um, uh, coaching up in Montana, I believe, and his team was going on a retreat, and he was out in front of his team driving, and they were following him. Something happened, and he lost control of his vehicle, hit a semi head on, and his team was there. Um, they helped him, helped him through it. Uh, he ended up losing his leg, and then while he was in the hospital with all of that, they found out that he had cancer and uh, so it, he, he ended up winning, you know, um, the, I think the uh, maybe the Arthur Ashe Award and um, or the Jimmy V Award. I think it was is, is, is what he what he won with the wow. SPN. And they did a whole 30 for 30 story. It's a, it's a really, really cool story. Great, great individual. So my dad, you know, kind of modeled his his coaching style and, and his things around him. So I always heard about him. And I guess, you know, I observed it and went to camp and and saw all those different things. So um I guess that's where I got it. I don't. I don't really know. It's just in me. I guess for me, it's just inherently in me to do the right thing. And I, I think what I see sometimes is that uh, when I work with leaders and I talk with leaders in in these different organizations, they talk a lot about service. They talk about serving other people, but we get to a level where um, people become people become an obstacle, an obstacle to the end, obstacle to the end, not an obstacle. Yeah, but an obstacle. They could become that. Too. They might become all of those things, right? But uh, that people, the human being that's sitting in front of them or their team or whatever, become a distraction to the goal. And so there's this objectification that happens, right, where we see people as resources uh, and we devalue the relationship. You're just you're somebody that's going to help me get to the end. You're not somebody. And... Uh, and, and so I, I do, I hear, I serve in leadership all the time and I serve, I like to serve my team, but I think that's a different thing from saying it and then living it and the principles and the practices that come in place that make that come alive every day. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I, I think, I think why people don't is it's, it, I mean, for me, I mean, it's I, easy to objectify people. Well, it is, it is, it is, it is. And, and for me, um, it, it, it's, a, it, it's, it's, I'll be honest, it's a very, very hard, it's a very, very hard balance. And what I will tell you is it, it's hard for people. I think it's, you know, I, I, I think, I think I definitely see things a little bit different because um, I guess I'm the. I mean, I'm the CEO, but, but I'm also the owner. So, you know, it's, it's my, it's my imprint. And, you know, my, my yeah. thesis is, you know, a doing the right thing is always the right thing. Right. And B the work is the work is the work. Um, but, I, but I also, I don't really like, um, it's not a fear of judgment for me. So like, I don't, I don't, meaning I care about what everybody thinks. I care about, you know, people that think that I'm doing good and I do right by them and we do the right thing. Right. But at the same time, I don't give two squats about what somebody else thinks about me or, you know, what they, um, you know, like their, their, their decisions or their opinions of me don't influence my decision. So I want to, I want to make sure that when people leave here, 
So for for example, I, I took some of my team to Lexington to a, to a speaking engagement I did, mm-hmm. and we bumped into one of my uh, um, one of my previous employees, a, an employee that you know I loved having here, but we had to part ways with due to you know some different things, and you know as soon as he saw me, you know at a restaurant, you know he came up, gave me a hug, and absolutely, you know it's of course you just treat people right. And, you know, I don't know where I learned it. I, I didn't read it in a book. I, I just, I don't know. It's, it is naturally who I am. So yeah, Shane talks about being comfortable with not caring about what other people think. And so Shane and I have had a lot of conversations about this and he's uh, encouraged me in this area as well. But if we're being honest about things, I'm not so sure that I'm as comfortable as you are and that th- for me, there's still some, not concern, but I wonder what people are going to think about this, or I wonder, I wonder how this is going to come off. And I, I think that's a, that's a part of your history, and I'm going to use your word, legacy, right? So the legacy that you leave with people is, is shaped by your story, shaped by your very unique story. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Brad, definitely. And listen, we're, we're both very honest with each other. For sure. Um, you know, in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, that's what makes not only any any relationship or friendship, but but any interaction with other human beings. So, you know, if you if you interact with me or you, you know, you meet me or you know, maybe one of you guys listening to this book us to come in and talk to, you know, your event or, you know, or your company, you know, you're going to get raw and uncut. Um, but that's because I believe that I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. My time and my interaction with you, whether it's we know each other for 40 years and we talk a lot or I know you for two meetings, it's still short and it's still limited. And I don't I don't ever want you to I don't no different. I don't I don't want my team or my staff or my employees walking around wondering if I'm mad or upset. If I'm mad or upset, they know I'm mad or upset. But the opposite is also true. Correct. 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 And, and I and I over I probably over index on those things. So I'll communicate. Hey, guys, look, I'm not upset. I'm not mad. I'm not, you know, I'm frustrated a little bit, but you know, it's just, it's just, it is that communication. Um, Brad definitely has a level of, um, perceived perception from others and the value that their opinion holds. And that's typically, so as Brad mentioned, I'm about legacy, legit, everything that I do, I'm trying to do so that when I die, I want as many people from as many different countries and as many different walks of life to show up to my funeral as I possibly can get there. So that's literally what I, that's my actual job every day. And I want you to be so pissed that you have to stand outside for two and a half hours in 104 degree weather because I've got so many people there and you're cussing me under your breath mm. when you tell me bye. Mm. Like mm. that, I, I'm, that's literally my last act. Okay. So, um, you know, and it's, it's demented and it's weird, I guess, but I guess that means I impacted so many different people and that's true. You know, Brad, Brad definitely deals with it. And, you know, I, I I think most people do. Yes. I think most people do. I I will, I will, I will agree with that. Um, I I don't, I don't, I mean, it's, it's fear, you know, what's on the other side of fear? Nothing, nothing. Fear doesn't exist. Like it's, it's, it it actually is, is a learned, it is a, I have done a little bit of of research and reading on fear. Fear actually is a learned and um, adapted. um, Mm. And I'm sure some people will probably disagree with this word, but evolved human instinct um, that um, developed over time. Hmm. You know, if, if you don't have a predisposed, you know, if, if, you know, Brad, you know, for Brad, for example, if, if there haven't, there hasn't been something to, you know, if you're the first person to go on the internet and post a video, you're not concerned about trolls. No, 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 no. That's what I was going to say. Like, it isn't, it wasn't until the advent of like social media, Facebook, Twitter, things like that, where people became concerned about what people think about them on a social media space i mean it's it's evolved for sure it's a learned behavior it's actually the other way too yeah 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 the personas and realities that you see aren't reality correct they're not yeah you think that if you think being an entrepreneur ceo is you know glamorous yeah 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 i'm i'm uh, i'm I'm gonna i'm I'm gonna yeah definitely definitely not glamorous um and and definitely in these episodes you'll hear you know me me speak very openly about those things but you know it's it's one of those things to where you know, it's not 
It's not fancy cars. It's not half naked girls Correct. or guys. Um, it's Correct. not, you know, um, it's, it's not, you know, clubbing and hanging out in the cabanas on, you know, South Beach or wherever. It's not any of that. And it's it, it's it could be some of that, I guess, depending on who you are. But for most people, it's not private jets. It's not riding in first first class. I know of people who legit will sit down and get on a plane first. They will get in line and get on a plane first, sit down and take selfies in first class, post them on Instagram, and then go back and sit. Really? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. All for perception. Wow. Because That's too bad. I mean, that's too bad that you but can't again, like... But still the fear of what other people think. That's too bad. I'm growing in this area. I, I would agree. I mean, this I, is a big step for Brad. Yeah, this is a big step. So, I did. I've done some videos this week that I have attempted. They're bad. They're terrible quality videos. But yeah, but quality subjective. I I put it out. Something there. is better than nothing. it's just me talking about some things that happened this week. And better than I did. Well, I didn't. So you're ahead of me. There's still two days left in the week. Well, yes, but I've lost those two days. I've lost those three days. I've lost those four days. What I realized from that was, I, so I've learned a lot um, over the last uh, couple of days where I pushed myself in this area quite a bit, tried to let the, sub, the subjective thought of, are people going to value this or not value this? And um, that was pretty f- uh, freeing for me. There was a lot of freedom in that. Um, when I just spoke about, hey, look, this just happened to me. I want to tell you guys about it. I want to. I want to connect this to a lesson that I've learned. Um, or the other day, you know, I wasn't home for my uh, my daughter's first day of school. It sucks to not be home on your daughter's first day of school. Sure. Uh, particularly my wife's school teacher. It sucks to not be home and to to be able to help. And um, last year this time, I was taking pictures and putting them on Facebook, and I was celebrating what they were doing. And I just I didn't I couldn't do that this year. Um, so I post a video about it. And um, about how decisions in our life, uh, the decisions that we make, impact our trajectory. We we have to make hard decisions sometimes. Yeah, funny enough, I think last year, uh, I think last year I was actually in New Zealand for the first day of school for um, you know for my for my family. And um, you know, I, I travel a lot. I spend a lot of time when I do travel out of the country a yeah. lot. And you know, it does suck. Um, and you know, I have people ask sometimes, well, how do you maintain a a family life and how do you maintain um, a home life and you know how do you how do you be a dad and um, you know what I fail every single day um, every single day but I can also tell you that um, I have learned that it is way more about quality than it is quantity uh, meaning yes I, I would love to be able to be home and spend every single day with my family with my kids uh, with all of those different things my wife you know all that but, you know, the, the calling that I have is to serve others. And in serving my family, I'm serving others mm. in a lot of ways. And, um, yep. you know, it's, it's about, you know, it's, right. it's yeah, you, you, you got to, again, you can't be concerned. My daughter is not going to remember how many times. She's not going to remember the count of daddy-daughter donut dates that we have before school. But she will remember the funny stories and jokes that we tell and, and the selfies that we take. That's right. Like that. Like that's what. And, and that's what you got to realize. And um, you know, I've I got five kids. You know, I've made enough mistakes as a dad for me and everybody else, and continue to make them. And I'm sure there's times, you know, where my kids have probably thought I'm a horrible dad, and you know, mm. I'm a, you know, you know, I'm why am I doing this or why am I doing that? And I think that's part of life. I mean, I'm no doubt I thought about, I mean, now I didn't have the greatest of home life growing up. So there were definitely some things I did not understand, but there were some things that I, that probably weren't as bad as maybe what I made them out to be and thought, you know, I don't understand that. Why are we doing that? Why, why, you know, why, why is, you know, why is that? Why is this? Um, but I don't know. I think it's just part of it. That's incredible. I mean, I just don't, I don't hear that very often. And, when I'm when I'm talking uh, person to person with a leader across the table, I don't get a chance to hear that kind of story um, or that level of transparency. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's evolved. Um, I think those the way that we think about how 
how people perceive us. But now this connects to culture, right? I mean, this connects to how you lead and run uh, CCR, um, but also the experience of what it means to own and run a business and, and build a culture from the ground up because you are ultimately responsible for what it feels like to work here. I am. Um, I definitely am. And, um, you know, for me, it's, um, it used to be really stressful. Um, because, you know, I mean, I'm look, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fool anybody. You know, when I started this whole journey, I, I told you, I, I didn't know what any of this was. Sure. I didn't know, you know, I knew, I knew what I knew, uh, right. but you don't know what you don't know. And, you got to learn. You got to get kicked in the teeth and you got to get punched in the gut and you got to get knocked down and you got to get drugged and you got to get, you know, thrown out of a plane with no parachute and all these different things. So walk me through the first, the the early days. Like what was tell me about the early days of of CCR. That uh, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, that happen very often. Shane Shane is speechless. Yeah, um a beautiful nightmare. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and I say that because the the beauty in it is is I wouldn't change any of it. Hmm. But the nightmare is is um, it it was literally utterly terrifying. What? Why? You, I mean, to to literally. So I I started this company with less fifteen hundred dollars I had to my name, hmm. and. To go and incorporate a business, like first of all, you incorporate a business, you think you actually have a business, which isn't the case. Um, you know, you think, you know, I'm gonna get business cards printed up, and you do all the things wrong. You know, I'm gonna get a logo because that matters. I'm gonna get some shirts made because people are gonna know who I am. Shit, I'm, I'm, I do business in, you know, 42 different countries around the world, and have a nice logo design with some of the people who designed a bunch of Nike's logos and. I don't know that anybody knows who our logo is still, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I mean, it was, it was terrifying. It was, it was making, making a decision. Now, now, now one, one thing I'm definitely blessed with is, 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 is I trust my gut, right? So I, I kind of make a joke cause I'm, 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 I'm right 70% of the time. So I'm okay with 30% of the losses. And, uh, you know, it's the, it's the baseball adage, mm -hmm. adage right? Yeah, so that's you, right. If, 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 if you actually win 30% of the time at the plate in baseball, you're a hall of famer. So, oh yeah. Awesome. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, which is a whole nother story. I saw a video today of a guy who can hit baseballs at 250 miles an hour, um, and hasn't missed one in 1900 swings. So that's holy a whole nother, moly, yeah, that's a whole nother, that's a whole wow. nother thing. Um, so, uh, you know, for me, it was just, it was just scary and you don't know anything. And I literally did not pay myself for the first three years. I, I, I didn't put any money into my household. My, my wife at the time we were dating and engaged and then got married. And, um, I don't know who's crazier, me or her. Right. So, um, she says that she's always just blindly believed in me and she's never met anybody who says they're going to go do something and they just somehow figure it out and make it happen. Uh, our lives are very, very different. To the, up to that point, you know, she comes from a stable home and two great parents and, you know, a huge family and very, very supportive. And, um, you know, the, the, the prototypical ideal, you know, everybody, every problem, everybody has their issues and every family has the, you know, crazy uncle, I won't name him, but the crazy uncle, uh, you know, and all those different things. But, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, she had a great support system. She had great people around her, great siblings, you know, great mom and dad, great grandparents, like just a great, a great situation. And, you know, stepping into this world of what I'm doing and literally starting something from scratch is the scariest thing that any human being can do because everything lives and dies off of you. And man, the pre I mean, the pressure there. Yeah. Coming both ways. Yeah, is, well, it does. It does. It's not even the pressure anymore of, of those things. It's the pressure of letting my people down. So don't, all right. So if you're listening, don't like, don't miss that. Right. Cause that's, that's key. So we have come circle. Uh, if you're, if you've been listening to the podcast and checking out the episodes, don't miss this, that, uh, sh when Shane is talking about the early days and even now his outward, 
his outward focus is other people, not letting other people down. When we talk about servanthood and servant leadership, and I'm not uh, I'm not blowing Shane up because he's sitting next to me. I just don't want us to miss this point that it is it is so often about other people, and that's what we miss. Um, that's what I, my personal opinion, uh, having worked with lots of leaders, is that we miss this point that it is my work, my role, my legacy, my opportunity is to not let other people down uh, in a way that isn't, in a, well, to be honest with you, in a way that's personal, right? Um, and when I get the opportunity to look at Shane while he's talking about this, and I can see that the, the emotion that he talks from with this is real. So let me let me just tell you, if I can, for a minute about some research that we did. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, with our team. So a couple of years ago, we got tasked to... The city of Louisville was named the most compassionate city in the world. Um, and Mayor Greg Fisher uh, came to local businesses and suggested that um, we those businesses needed to be more compassionate. And so we, we didn't... The business community wasn't really sure what that meant. How do you define that? What's the ROI on that? So uh, my research team stepped in to look at that. And I worked with um, an amazing consultant in town, uh, Marianne, um, who was the heart and soul behind this project and, and drove most of this. We interviewed 32 leaders that were nominated by their peers as being two things. One, particularly compassionate people. Uh, but two, um, very productive. Um, they, so they met their performance objectives. So they couldn't be, they couldn't just hug everybody all day and that made them compassionate. It really was about, could they get the job done? So these were great leaders that got stuff done. And we interviewed those leaders, um, transcribed all those interviews. And he, you know, the most amazing thing ha- happened. So I could, I'm not gonna tell you about the model. I, w- I want to tell you about why those people were different. Every single person that we talked to had a significant event in their life, whether that was they they had cancer at an early age, they lost their parents at an early age, they had challenging childhood, they had something happen to their kids, they they lost a job that was really important to them. They, every every single person that we talked to, this was incredible, had something happen in their life that shifted their perspective from inward, me, 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 this is about me, 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 I'm going to gather as much as I can to other people. So when we talked to somebody who had lost their mom at a really young age, and they they spoke about how, how challenging and how tragic that was, they talked also about how that shifted their perspective from inward to outward. When we talked to somebody who had lost their lost their child to death, they spoke of how that shifted them from inward to outward. And, you know, as you talk about your story over the course of these episodes, I can't help but think that there were things that happened in your life and things that were happened in my life that shifted us from inward to outward, where we are thinking about other other folks. Yeah, I mean, I don't um, research as... Formal research, I guess, is is definitely Brad's area. Um, you'll 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 probably never see me um, writing a paper. I don't know. I'm um, not going to discount that. Well, just we yet. may co-write one. Yeah, we're not. We're not. It won't. It won't. It won't be. Uh, yeah. Um, it won't be. It won't be. It won't be. Won't be Shane. It won't. It will not be. It will not be me. Um, uh, solo. Um, I can barely write as it is, let alone um, do any research for any length of period of time. But but I would I would challenge you actually, Brad, to bring it. Um, I would actually look into, I think there's a psychology behind that meaning. Oh yeah. I think that, I think it's about people. Um, so, so when you have, when you have something traffic tragic that happens in life, right. Whether, whether you have a horrible home life or, you know, you, you're, you're, you know, some sort of, you know, oh man, um, you know, heaven forbid, you know, uh, some sort of abuse or, um, you know, anything in life or, you know, a, a medical deal or a loss. Something. The attention all comes to you. Mm. You know, um, if, if my family tra- tragically gets killed in a car wreck tomorrow, everybody in our world, meaning whoever exists in, in my world with my family and everything now, will instantly, because of human nature, the nurture kicks in 
and they will all inwardly look to help me. Sure. I would be, um, I, I would definitely be off the grid for a bit. And, um, you know, that, that's probably the crazy, that's, that's probably the one thing that would, that would, that would shake me out of my routine, my, my family, um, you know, you know, you know, something happened to them outside of that. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I can deal with it, but, but, but all the attention gets brought on you. Right. So I think that's where it actually comes from is you, you actually want to dive. Like, I, I think it's almost a, it's almost an escape. And, you know, I, I want to escape all of this attention so that I can project it onto someone else. And so when you say, and again, I don't, I don't know the psychology or science behind it, but when you say that every one of these people you talk to, everyone had something tragic happen, uh, significant. So I would say they yeah. had something significant. Well, and again, and it's probably subjective as well. So like sure. each person's I mean, totally, I mean, I had a horrible childhood, but there's also kids going through much worse than what I sure. went through. Um, and you know, there's kids who, you know, you know, parents didn't buy them a car and they think they have a horrible childhood. Correct. That's correct. So, That's exactly right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that, I mean, it's a, you know, it's, it's, subjective. A, it's it, yeah. So, so, but, but whatever psychologically caused you to think that I'm in pain and when you're in pain, people help and people come to you, whether it's your friends or your family or counselors or coworkers, whatever that is, I legit would say that they're actually projecting who they are onto everyone else. I, I would, I, there, 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 there is something, there definitely is something there. So in adult learning theory, we call that a disorienting dilemma. So big words, told you. big words. Uh, so a disorienting dilemma is something that happens uh, in your life. So the idea here is that adults don't, um, to grow, to learn, um, adults need to experience some kind of a disorienting dilemma in their life. Um, when I'm teaching class back at the university, I'll ask my students, when's the last time you practiced changing a tire on a car? I we, never have. We, we don't, we don't. Nate and I actually talked about this. Never have. We don't, cha we don't practice changing tires on cars, right? Because there's not a need to change it. When do you need to know how to change a tire on a car? Well. When you're on the side of the road. Yes. That's when you need to know, right? Like, so at that, basis. at that moment, that is a disorienting dilemma. I have a problem of a flat tire. I need to fix this tire. This is a dilemma. I have to solve it. So now I need to learn it. So extrapolate that to leadership, right? So everything's working just fine. If everything's working just fine, why do you need to change? You don't. You don't need to grow, learn. Everything's just fine. Let's, I'm not saying we, we're not learning or taking in information. I'm just suggesting there's no need to nudge our behavior in a different direction. So when this dilemma presents itself, whether that stimulus is positive or negative, and sometimes, sometimes it's positive. Sometimes something amazing happens. We uh, we have our we have a child that's born, right? And this comes into our life. This gift comes into our life, and and we look at this little baby, or we and, and then we watch this little thing grow, and it takes on this personality, and then all of a sudden we're like, wow, th this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me in my life, right? This is incredible. Or things that might be tragic. So whether those things are positive or negative, present this idea of a dis th there's this. There's this competing dilemma that happens in my life. It's because of that that puts me into a state of reflection. And as I reflect and, I, and I'm looking at the situation and what's going on, I'm generalizing this new information about my life, right? And then I'm adapting my life accordingly to put it back into values that have developed as a result of that dilemma. So guess what? If when you're on the side of the road and your tire goes flat, you have some decisions you have to make, right? Guess what? I can change a tire because I've had I've been set, I've been on the side of the road well, and I, I have I'll had to you, do. I'll that. call you if I. Yeah, you call. I mean, call, no, no. I, 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 I have roadside. Sir. Just call the roadside, sir. Yeah. I, it's going to take me a long time, but I'll come. I might be able to. To be honest with you, I might get here before roadside service. <laughs> um, that's very true. It's, it's possible. Uh, I'll have you pick up dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll do that. So think of it's probably actually quicker just to call it like a tow truck and then Uber, Uber. Mm -hmm. So funny enough, so that's very very true. So my wife and my daughter two years ago, I know a year ago, a year ago for my my nephew's graduation uh, down in Pensacola, um, I stayed back. I was I was filming and taking some pictures and stuff, and um, walked out of graduation. Got a phone call that my wife 
and um, my my pregnant wife and my yep. daughter yep. and my um, in-laws were in a car wreck and um, didn't have the details. All I remember hearing is we were in an accident. Everybody's okay. A tire came off and hit our car. I was like, man, what in the world? I'm on scenic. I go out. They're on scenic highway out in Pensacola. Drive out. Pull up. Definitely concerned, you know, but also a little bit um, uh, angry, right? Like, how do you, uh, you know, how does a tire come off a car? How does this happen? Like, what? You know, I immediately want to go talk to this fine young man on the other side of the road who clearly is shaken up and terrified. Yeah, his tire came off his car. Um, and then he sees me. I'm a big guy. For those of you, I'm about 6'6". Six, six. Um, and, uh, you know, I come rolling up, and he probably thought, man, you know, now what's going to happen? My life is over. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's ending tonight. Um, yes, yes, <laughs> so prob- probably. Um, but what happened is they were driving. Um, a gentleman was in the military, and... Said he had some work done on his car, something, and just driving. And he said it was shaking and knew there was something wrong with it, but he was just trying to get home and coming home on leave. And wow. was almost home. And wow. the wheel just came off. And my wife says she saw it come flying. So long story short, they had a wreck. My wife and I actually had to call an Uber to get a ride to the rental car place to get a rental car. So, um, you know, Uber's a great thing. It's a shout out to Uber. Uber, if you hear this and you'd like to sponsor us, we shout out to Uber. It. Shout out to Uber, definitely. Don't have well, we technically, I guess, have. I have Uber here where we're located in Elizabethtown. There probably is not Uber in Oldham County. Um, no, there is not Uber. I mean, if it is, there's like one. You could be the Uber. I mean, I could be. You could be the Uber. So I'm, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, so it's it, it's good. It's good. So um, yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've really kind of lost track. Of where we're going, Brad. So I'm going to need you to your non ADHD brain to pull us back in uh, to where we were. Because I, again, I went down one of those rabbit holes. All right. So think about the application of the dilemma, right? Either positive or negative to leader development and culture, right? So why would why would a leader have any motivation or incentive to change anything if things are status quo? Why would you change? And we're just talking human behavior here now, right? Like, yeah, um, I think inherently as an entrepreneur, um, I don't think it just happens with a CEO. Entrepreneurs, there's a, by the way, there's also a difference um, in an entrepreneur and a small business owner. A small business owner has a business; they're you know that, that's what they do, but they don't really have an entrepreneur. Always has ideas. Every time an entrepreneur sees a problem, they want to fix it. Um, all of those different things. So uh, I think an entrepreneur always, you know, I tell I tell every one of my I tell every one of my team members when they come on board, I want you to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that right there, so that philosophy, I don't want to say the word force is growth because I think I think force it, we when we hear the word force, it's like well that's a bad thing, but I think it in, maybe in, it encourages growth. It encourages someone to get better, to think differently, to get outside the box. That's what's uncomfortable about it. But it's necessary. I mean, if you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're constantly forced to face challenging decisions and look at opportunities from a different lens that you would traditionally not have to look at them from. And that's because you're responsible. It's uncomfortable. And that uncomfortableness is how you get better. So, so funny enough, um, I actually, so I actually sent this article to my wife. Um, it was just in um, uh, either Inc. Magazine or it was definitely online. Uh, and it says, science has just confirmed that if you're not outside of your comfort zone, you're not learning. Stability shuts down your brain's learning centers. Correct. New Yale research. So this is by Je- Jessica Stillman. Um, you can, I don't, I have no idea who she is, but you can definitely yeah, uh, she, catch her on the Twitters at, uh, at entry level rebel and uh, give her a shout out that Brad and yep. Shane re- referenced her. You should connect with her on Twitter. Tell her you love the article. You need to read it because it's all, it's spot on. Yeah. And, and just, and just some highlights here. Not, I'm definitely not going to read the article, but, um, stability is shut off 
uh, is a shutoff switch for your brain. If you want to maximize learning, you need to make sure that you're doing hard things 70% of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, then it goes into how to add strategic instability to your life. So very, very similar to what, so it says travel abroad, changing your routine, starting a new project, searching out weird and new ideas and talking to people who you disagree with. Well, that's pretty easy to do today in today's world, but that's a whole nother, whole nother episode. Yep. But it's, it's forcing your way out. And for me, that's the way it is. I always, I want, so, so I have, I, I live by the premise that if people are going to come here and work alongside me and help me push my, my agenda, if you will, my, you know, my religion forward, I want it to be something that I want them to be better people, both personally and professionally, whenever their time is done, if their time is ever done, but I want them to grow. And so I'm, I, I, I dig in and, you know, I think, I mean, it's definitely for another episode. Um, but, um, you know, kind of, kind of circling back full circle with what we've just covered, you know, it's definitely forcing yourself out of your comfort zone. It's, it's, you know, doing what Brad's doing here. It's, um, it's not natural. Listen, it's not natural to public speak. It is the number one fear of all human beings on the planet. Public speaking is the number one fear. And that's hard to do. And I don't have it. Uh, I will tell you that I would rather be in front of 50,000 people than I would five. Oh, gosh, yes. Absolutely. It is so, it 100%. Is so, it is so hard the to bigger control the, the emotion in a room the bigger of five the, people. The bigger the crowd, the more jacked I am, man. Oh, like, yeah. I want it packed out. Because you're going to have people in 50,000 that are going to look at you and they're disengaged. Um, yeah. You're going to have people in five that are disengaged. And you might have four of the five, and then you're out of it. It's a lot. You've lost. Man, I gave a talk recently, a couple months ago in India, and um, I was over there for the uh, India Sherm National Conference, and I was a day one keynote speaker. And Brad's I was a big deal. I was, <laughs> I was, um, I had prepped for a long time, and I mean, I, I know that I knew the talk backwards and forwards, and I, I couldn't see the audience. So the, the, light, the lights were so yeah, bright yeah, yeah, yeah. that I could not see past the first row. And it was so difficult because I had a crowd of several hundred people, if not a thousand people in the room, but I could only see 10. And of those 10, I could not tell if they were engaged or disengaged or what their emotion was. Whereas when I'm in a room and I am able to see that crowd, I feed off that emotion, man, I'm telling you right now, it is, is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's, you, it's, you see the reactions, you know, you tell a joke and Feed. you just see who gets it and who doesn't get it. So if you can't see, yeah, yeah definitely. So, um, so hopefully you guys, you know, um, you know, kind of recapping again, it's, 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 it's doing the right thing. It's, you know, this, this was probably a lot more about us in some ways than, and, and I guess it'd all be about us in some ways, but this is definitely a lot more backstory. So mm. hopefully we didn't lose you in the first 20, 30 minutes. Hopefully you guys got something out of this. There'll definitely be more of these to come. Um, there'll be more agenda-based. This was kind of us breaking breaking the mold in, in some ways. So uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. So um, you can catch Brad on the socials at... At Dr. B. Shuck or www.drbshuck.com. And that's, and that's D-R-B-S-H-U-C-K. Um, I've known him for 20 years and I still almost mess up when I spell his name uh, whenever uh, whenever I write it. <coughs> Getting a little choked up, a little emotional. You don't have to cry, miss. It's my uh, web address. Won't, won't, yeah, won't, won't, Just, won't cry. You, you can catch me at the Shane Howard. Now, listen, I, I, I know that sounds super, super, super uh, egotistical to say the Shane Howard, but there is another Shane Howard yeah. out there. Uh, he is an Australian folk singer, and I get tagged in his articles and stuff all the time because I do a lot of business in Australia. Uh, so there are a few of us out there. It seems to be of the handful of the Shane Howards that are out there are all famous. Uh, so um, you know, I guess it's uh, you know it's one of those things that's uh, that's interesting. So definitely check us out. Um, we will. We do not have a web address right now to where this podcast will live. We don't even have a title for it. Um, but we will in the next week to 10 days. So in the following episodes, you'll be able to find it on this podcast. Check us out. Uh, check us out. Share it. We'd love to hear if you Feedback. catch this. Yeah, we'd love to hear it. If you, if you catch this on on YouTube, either on my channel or on Brad's channel, um, you uh, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear. We'd love to leave and ask questions. 
right? Questions about Please culture. Sing questions. Yeah, we, we, we want questions. And, you know, some of these episodes we can do, we can do in a question and answer form. So if you, if you see a snippet of this on Instagram, leave some questions. So uh, we, we want to hear, we want to hear from you. Um, you know, it's, um, uh, we'll, we'll provide email addresses and all that um, as we, as we get down further. So um, Brad, I think it was, uh, you know, for definitely the first episode, we, we've got some more to record, but uh, for the first episode, uh, I think it was great. That's, yeah, 100%. I'm in. This is awesome. I'm excited to be... Uh, Check us out. Um, also, uh, give, uh, give, Nate, um, give Nate a shout-out as well for uh, running the behind-the-scenes. Um, you know, these things never happen uh, with, just, um, with just one person uh, or two people uh, or even three people. It takes a lot of different people. You know, our families, you know, are without us right now. Now my family is actually in bed. So, um, they go to bed pretty early. So, um, you know, they're in bed, they're, they're getting ready for the school day tomorrow. And, uh, you know, we're grinding it out. So love you guys. Thank you guys for listening. And, uh, until next time, until next time, guys, peace.